Hey, everybody, the Vintage Strength Games are coming to Clayton, North Carolina on June 2nd to the 4th. June 2nd to the 4th. Go to VintageStrengthGames.com for more information and to sign up. Also, make sure you go on Facebook and you join the Vintage Strength Games Facebook group. Get yourself some sandbags or some weight vests or some cool fitness apparel at freedomstrength.us. Go to freedomstrength.us. When you make your purchase, use the discount code SMN10 to receive your discount. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. I am your host, Fred Moore. And today with me is Ana Morena Lima. Uh, she goes by Morena, and she runs Rooted Strength Method. She has 24-plus years of martial arts experience. She's a Viking ninja. Uh, she helps martial artists reduce their pain and perform their best. And how I know all that is because it's in her Instagram page, and I copied it down and read it to you. So you could go to her Instagram. It's Morena Rooted Strength. And... Um, She's also a podcaster, the Rooted Strength Podcast, so I have to really be on my game today because your podcast is awesome. I enjoy Thank you. it. It's good, and, I, and I'm honored to have you on. I, I love listening to you um, with, your, with your sage advice that you give and everything like that. I was just listening a little earlier. Um, how do you like doing the podcast? Thank you. Um, I love it. I think it gives me an opportunity to let people know how I think. And, you know, in, in martial arts, we kind of only show our thought through physical interaction. So it, it's nice to be able to talk a little bit about my road, where I came from, and then hopefully other people will find a little bit of light and then the good by others too. But I'm really excited to be here today. And I'm, I'm going to, I was waiting so I can say this, right? So when I first picked up the mace, which is... Uh, it hasn't been that long. I'm very diligent with it, but it's been almost two years now. But I mace diligently all the time, and I research all the information I could possibly let get. I'm one of those people. I want to know everything, everything. And I found your podcast, and it was, like, the only one. There was yours, and there was um, Steel Mace Warrior, I think. And then um, that was it. And I remember hearing everybody there because I was also starting the kettlebell and then I'm like, oh, all the kettlebell people and then all the, and then you're talking about it, you know, how to help people, how it helps them. And um, for me, being here is nostalgic because this was part of my beginning where I first got my information. So thank you. Wow. You're the bomb. I <laughs> wow. That's unbelievable. This is so cool then. I mean, I really, um, I appreciate that because, you know, um, when I watch you work on your Instagram, you know, you're doing martial arts, capoeira, kettlebells, steel mace, all this stuff. You're a good mover. Uh, like I, like I pointed out to everybody, you got a lot of experience with martial arts. I love martial arts, even though I'm not a martial artist, um, like you are. Um, so, so to know that you were listening to the podcast, for steel mace information and everything really is awesome. So 
thanks for letting me know that. I appreciate that. Um, and so your your journey with the steel maze is new, but your martial arts is a, a quarter of a century now. I mean, you're yeah. a black belt, right? Black belt in jujitsu. Yes. So I've actually I haven't updated. I, I started training in 1996. Um, I began training karate um, as a form of self self defense. And then um, migrated to many different arts. So boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, Kung Fu, Krav Maga. I wanted to know about everything to decide where it is that I would be like, okay, this is my spot. Um, and I also came from a dance background. So I already kind of, dance is such an, an interesting thing because it teaches you how to really maneuver your body in rhythm. Um, but... Capoeira captured my heart because it had so much, right? Capoeira is a mixture of acrobatics, of martial arts, and then it has dance and it has music. But really the most wonderful thing about Capoeira is its community. It's such a community thing. You know, I have friends from when I first started training, you know, 25 years ago, and we're still friends. And that's amazing for, for me to see their beginning and then, you know, uh, them see my beginning and the human that I became because we understand that when we train things it's like a big funnel right all them people come in there all the people come through the top and then maybe you get a drip of one two people go through and those are like the people who become black belts in an art and they become teachers and they do it lifelong um, I am a second degree black belt um, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and this is what I do for a living, actually. My full-time job is as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. Um, I teach the kids' programs, and my husband teaches the adults here. But I was also in Abu Dhabi for four years straight, then three years back and forth. And over there, I only worked with Brazilian jiu-jitsu in the school systems, in the military, um, I'm also a referee, so I refereed there as well. And I still referee here in the States now. It's been a new experience. Um, and um, I love it. I still box all the time. My husband um, is an ex-MMA fighter too. And he's also amazing at jiu-jitsu. He's my teacher. Um, but when I was in the Emirates, I got to be on mats that would have 50, 60 black belts. And it was like playground but going through all those tough experiences it's very hard because it's difficult emotionally it's difficult mentally it's difficult on all sorts of levels and then um most of my friends were hurt and right now this year I'm turning 40 and I'm so proud of my age and of getting older because I have a body that moves so well you know when people are like, no, you're 40. So, or that sometimes they think I'm in my 20s. I'm like, oh my God, I wish this is great. <laughs> you know, but I, then I when thought like, you were younger. I'm surprised to hear 40. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. good because I think we're as young as we want to feel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to be the lady that has, you know, her white hair and I'm still riding my skateboard with my kids. <laughs> it's okay. That's what I want. That's my literally my lifelong dream is to reach 80. And I can hit some pads and I can have a roll and I can swim and I can sit on the toilet by myself and I can do my needs all on my own. That's it. That's magic right there. Oh my like, God. Right? I'm getting goosebumps right now. I get goosebumps when I think about it. And then 
Um, the problem with a lot of fighters and people who do it professionally is they want to keep that rhythm 24 seven, that, you know, that grind. I remember going to my mats and I'm Brazilian. So the, um, they would always write some kind of inspirational quote on the wall. We had this big whiteboard and their, <laughs> their idea of inspiration was this is over. This place is hell. And then you're like, whoa. But then the training was like the top of everyone all over would be there. Highly competitive. It's really for points. People are fighting like it's the end of the world. It's a highly competitive environment that can also be highly um, poisonous to someone's deep self. You know, because um, when you're good at something, then you're like, I I can only be good. And that that is my whole identity. The competition, the being better than other people, the paying attention to the external, the not ever being happy with any performance. So I would be there, fight against like one of the best people in the world, but I wouldn't get my gold. And then I would be like, oh, this, this sucks. But it doesn't, you know, when you see people competing, just the act of stepping on the mats yeah. and you're thinking about it in front of everyone with someone that you know wants to go at you for real, like all of that. And when I referee, I see all the emotions in their faces and I'm like, wow, that person's amazing. Yeah. And then nowadays I, I see things from a different eye, but I lived a very toxic life for a very long time where I trained hours and hours and hours a day and I only went hard and at the end of the day I couldn't hold the mug because you know you use your grips a lot couldn't hold the mug but then I would still go to you know crossfit lift a crazy amount of weight because I needed to do my conditioning and then I had kids and then you know your personal trainer's like no you have to be at the gym for two hours like who has two hours to be at the gym and then you're like, no, you have to train your own students because I made, I, I had that road where I got to make my own world champions. And that was so dope. But that means you have to give them time, attention. And then how do you, how do you balance all of this? You don't. How does it show up in your life? In the form of injury, in the form of anxiety, in the form of depression, because you get this idea that you need to be the same, that you need to be what used to be, that what happened, that when I was young, we're always thinking of this other time when the present is just so precious. And if you pay attention to the now, we go through phases and changes, which is why I like, um, which is why I started Brutus Strength, period. I was like, no one knows how to train me for my day. I'm training so, 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 so hard. And my body's always hurting. I'm always hurting somewhere. Um, but then it was just an idea at first. And then I went through this crazy thing where I was legalizing my husband. I had to come back to the States, but then I was pregnant. And then I, I, um, I had, we had worked very hard to conceive for almost three years. And then I conceived right before I had to established this life in the States and I have a three-year-old little girl and I have a 15-year-old boy. So the struggle was real going back and forth. Go to adxclub.com to purchase a steel mace or a steel club that's adjustable made right here in the United States. And then make hit right after I gave birth. And then I gave birth by myself with 
my midwife and one friend and my son over WhatsApp, my husband over WhatsApp. My husband <laughs> 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 on WhatsApp while I was giving natural birth. Okay. So it means I was going through crazy amounts of pain and they're arguing on the screen, you know, trying to breathe it out, you know. And then I go to my friend, please, please just turn off the sound. But then that's how they were present um, because they weren't in the country. And um, I wanted them to be there. And I wanted this experience, not for others, but for me to ask for balance through the chaos to, you know, well, I think when you're at your worst and you have, and I don't say I'm at my worst because my children were, were healthy and my family was healthy and I wasn't hungry and I wasn't, you know, the situations like this, emotional situations, they hit us like, like real pain, like a punch in the face. They, they hit you the same. It hurts the same. The brain doesn't know the difference. Like when you insult yourself, oh, I was just kidding. Your brain doesn't know the difference. Why would you even insult yourself? But it was just, everything was so hard and I've always been a person of, of faith and um, through the um, pregnancy, I started practicing hypnobirthing and hypnobirthing has visualizations, which is normal to martial arts. We visualize fights over and over. Before I would compete, I would visualize how many ways I would put myself in a bad situation, how it would come out, you know. I still have these, these fights with this, you know, um, internal uh, fighter that is so much, always so much better than me, that puts me in these bad situations. So I can cognitively think ahead. So um, hypnobirthing taught me how to meditate effectively. I didn't know how. And it taught me through the act of breathing, right? And then all these things started to click. And then I was like, whoa, I spent my life with adenoids. I'm a severe mouth breather. I didn't oh. know that. I didn't even know that I was walking around hyper. And I've had many moments where, you know, you, you do so much that you can't breathe. Your lips turn purple. And it happened to me often during fights, during um, matches on the mats, sparring because you pull out your mats and, then I started to learn how to breathe, learn how to diminish pain through breath. I was like, whoa, diminish pain through breath? Wait, hold on. This is a different skill. You can do that. You can breathe pain away. Okay, this is different. And then um, after giving birth, coming back, being physically capable and going from there to being physically completely incapable, is very odd. Um, and I was doing head spins at 35 weeks pregnant. I think 34 weeks pregnant was the last time I, I was upside down doing a cartwheel. Um, but then when I gave birth, it was a weaker body. It was a body that um, didn't connect as well as before. And then I realized how much I would rely on just power over connections. Just like push it out versus really connect it and have it happen um and through my experience of coming back from pregnancy with a weaker body especially going back to the mats so I trained capoeira throughout my pregnancy but I didn't have reliable mats where I knew that people would know how to train with me because I'm a black belt so that means that if I give people a difficult time it's not that they're trying to be mean is that they're just reacting to an action so 
I would, I was afraid I took so long to conceive. So I was like, I don't even want to play with that. I would just not train. I'll just not train. I'll protect, you know, if this doesn't feel good for me, I don't want to do it. My little girl is more important. So I spent that whole thing, but then, um, six weeks, maybe seven postpartum, I was on the mat, right? I was on the mats, um, in Abu Dhabi and then I was on the mats in Brazil because that's where I decided to come back. I was like, no, we're going to take a trip to Brazil. So within a month and a half that my daughter was born, I traveled to Dubai and then we got her passport. Then we traveled to Brazil and then I was coming back to jujitsu and the simple things in jujitsu were inaccessible to me. Simple things like Cold guard that's supposed to be super easy anything to do with the core so i had a very weak core right. very weak core my core was weak in my uh pelvic floor which you know is all the muscles under your bicycle seat your perineal men are having problem with that too women are having problem with those muscles because we sit yeah. for so long and we're constantly putting pressure there so i was like wow this is so weird i feel connected and disconnected and then the pandemic hit and I'm like, oh, no way for childcare now. <laughs> what am I going to do? How am I going to train? And I was already like, I would take my kids to training. I would breastfeed my daughter in between roles. I would roll. My friends would help me on the mats. I was the only woman on the mats and they were awesome. They were helping. They, were, they would watch your daughter, like hold her or whatever. Yes, while they would. How mm -hmm. awesome is that? I know. While I was there trying to roll, can you roll? They would be with my kids for me. It was such a beautiful, beautiful thing, you know, to, to me showing them this reality that I go through, that sometimes it's not that men are being ignorant, but just because they're misinformed mm -hmm. and we misinformed by not speaking out. They were so cool. And then I'm like, I can't strength train. I can't bring the kids everywhere. And I was studying already. I realized that I wanted to do something with this time. And, and I, I really, really, really believe that crisis is, an, is always an opportunity for growth, right? You're going through a bad situation. There's a nugget in there. There's like a precious diamond somewhere in there, right? So you're like, where is the sane and the insane? And I always look for that. Struggle just makes you like, are you mad? Are you angry? Are you upset? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, then you get to change it. Simple. So I was like, ah, oh, there's some kettlebells in the basement. So I started kettlebelling. And all my certs were done online. So I have never seen a live coach before. All my certs were done online because I was always either breastfeeding or studying or caring for the kids or, um, and Viking, then- Your Viking Ninja, um, did you get certified by Viking Ninja? For my steel mace, yeah. yeah. For my um, kettlebells, I just started the road out. But the kettlebells brought me to TaxFit because my friends are instructors for the Viking Ninja TaxFit people. And they were like, wow, you're doing kettlebells. It's great. Look at this thing. And I was like, what's that thing? <laughs> you know, we were having a, a Capoeira online encounter. And one of my friends way over in California, he's showing a warm up, but he's so in love with the mace. He's like, Look at this thing. And I was like, what is that thing? <laughs> this tells you where you are, tells you where your body is and your center of gravity and space and time. And he spoke about it in a way that I was like, yo, I need to get one of those. 
So, so did you find all those points to be true that he just made? I did. I okay. actually have a very special connection with the mace. Oh, really? Okay. So th yeah. I, this is what I'm curious about because um, as a martial artist with, with so much um, length and time of practicing your martial arts and being at your level, introducing this new item, right, to your, your regiment, you know, you got this 10 pound mace. I don't know if you swing heavier or, or, you know, anything else, but you started, right. Like most people do with a 10 pound. What did you, what popped? What, what did you discover about it at that moment when you started using it? Um, I just want to hear like a person from your point of view about it, as opposed to somebody who is just a beginner um, working out and doesn't even have a martial arts background. Right. As a martial artist, uh, when I began training with the mace, I saw all the connections that I saw through my martial arts training. So um, I saw my uppercuts. I saw the contraction I needed for power. Again, I constantly train with my body, so I actually spar all the time. Um, and I'm very big on structures. And with the mace, I can always feel that my body was structured in a way where it felt unmovable, right? My core, my center of gravity. And when I started doing 360s, the first time I did it, I mean, I love learning new information. Um, I don't mind being a beginner at anything, but I always try to relate something to something else. And when I first did my 360, I was like, oh my God, that feels like a ipon, which is a judo throw, right? I was like, it's the same upper body movement for a throw and I'm used to doing throws so much and I was like okay okay I need that and then the uppercuts felt like uppercuts and then the fact that you're wielding something that's meant to be a weapon gives you a brand new view you know when I teach my students how to use the mace I was like imagine because it's like anything else if you're just punching the air it's going to look something but if you're imagining punching an actual face which would be probably a particular height in a particular engagement, understanding that it will be ready for impact and impact means it pushes back a little bit, then everything becomes easier. So when I teach martial artists, I get to use this common language. And for me, I felt it, I was like, oh, my course closed. This feels like the same core I used to pass the guard. This feels like the same core I use for underhook in, uh, in a sprawl if I'm defending a takedown. Same type of um, diminishing the space between the rib line and the hip line same functions, right? And then um, in my capoeira, it made me grounded because the reason why I love even kettlebells because it's the steel mace even more for martial arts is at some point, martial arts used to be all about this, about the breath, about slowing down, about the meticulous connections between body, mind, right? Your surroundings and the energy that you're building through there, being actually mindful of moments in your growth, right? Because mindfulness is just paying attention to the fact that you're paying attention. That's all it is. It's simple. But at some point, people got too busy and our lifestyles too fast, right? That even martial artists stopped practicing that completely. So instead of them going, like back in the days when you saw someone going in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mat, then you saw a lot of breath work through the Gracies. They used to do a lot of breath work, a lot of thinking, a lot of staying, a lot of, you know, things used to have a certain pace. But I think we've lost that a lot. And the maze, it obligates you to go there. Like, 
you can't. You're not going to have good performance, controlled performance, unless your breath is on point with your connections, right? And then um, it's really huge on the glute muscles and the core and all of us as we sit so long. It's hard, you know. Since uh, that's all good stuff. And I think what I'm kind of detecting here, and correct me if I'm wrong, being uh, at an expert level with martial arts, you're already engaging your core. You're, you wouldn't be there if you weren't. So that's a very familiar area for you. So what I'm detecting is introducing this new tool uh, kind of like brought you back to your basics and forced you to pay attention to something that you might actually take for granted because you do it so much. So second nature. Maybe not take for granted, but it's so second nature to keep your t core tight. How do you train? Uh, how do you train that all over again? You introduce a new tool, and it kind of yeah. slows you down. Yes, yes, it does slow me down. I think more what it did for me is it solidified the connections of the simple. So what happens is when people think of going, you know, be to a squat. Let's say a squat because it's simple or a push-up, something that starts up and goes down and goes back up, right? So we're like, oh, here, here, and here. But I think that um, steel mace practice gets you to understand the moments in between the structure, what happens between here and here. So if I'm on top on, on my squat and I'm just going down, great. But if I'm on top of my squat and I'm cognitive, and let's say that as I'm going down, the ceiling fell on me, I'd be able to hold it at any point because I have so much control of the moments in between the connection. So yes, the tool helped me to understand simpler connections in body structure that were easily translated into everything I do in all my martial arts, which is why right now I'm... Go to sleepymonkeytrainingacademy.com to turn your pain into power really pushing martial artists to train it because now I don't get injured as easily because I'm moving my body the way it's meant to. My core is engaging the way it's meant to. My shoulders are extremely resilient, right? Um, and like you said, it's the basic stuff. So now I feel like I'm not working with all my power like I did maybe before I got pregnant, before I went through this road. Now I understand that all I have to do is proper engagement, proper placement, and that, proper breath. And that's because of using the mace? Yes. So would you say after 20 years of experience as a martial artist, adding the mace in actually was like the cherry on top of your ice cream sundae? Or would you say it was like another scoop of ice cream? <laughs> totally crazy question, but I, I hope you understand my analogy there. Is it just the final finishing touch and it's like, boom, you went up like 1% more or was it more substantial than that? Um, so I'm, it was very much more substantial than that for me, just because, so I'm a woman in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think I weigh 130 something I'm fairly small right um 
but I train with big guys, 250 pounders. I train with, I've trained with bigger guys. I train with people who, who want to choke me out. They want to, they don't want to lose to me because as soon as things start going, they don't want to lose. So um, what that taught me was instead of pushing, of using the strength that I didn't have, I could just make my body so well rounded and compact that I can use my whole posture versus, you know, um, having to push someone away from me. So it's like open chain kinetic movements versus closed chain, closed chain kinetic movements. So I'm using more of my body structure. So if someone's coming at me and I'm like, oh, I'm about to get rammed, um, people usually, they want to hold them back. But for me, I engage my bum goes back, my shoulders go forward. I understand that my back needs to be in an angle of 45 degrees. I understand that I need to have a pushback in the back that's going to feel somewhat like a a movement, um, a fight stance that's kind of looking for the same kind of lunging patterns that I find in the steel mace, except I'm leaning slightly forward. But then the act of gripping the ground, which is what we use on the mace all the time, will make me feel rock hard. So when that impact comes, if I'm not able to hold it, I can ride it with a structure that will let me not be vulnerable at any moment. So when people roll with me and I'm a tiny little woman, people always get very surprised. They're like, you're so strong, you're so... But I, I think that just my connections have gotten so good at this point. And yes, I give it a lot to the mace because I mace a lot more than a kettlebell. I mace a lot more than I do anything else. Um, because I can just go there, use my 10 pounder, have it be regenerative to my joints that I use badly during jujitsu, right? I can put breath in the proper places to make sure my rib lines are not popping out of place, which is regular in jujitsu. I can make sure my hip is open by doing, you know, uh, lateral lunges and using the mace in a way that my structure understands where it's meant to be. And I do swing heavy. So I can go and I can swing really heavy as well. And that feels the bomb. And when I do my judo throws, they're going to feel like butter. Come on. Like, it's just, there's so many benefits that I don't know why people don't practice it more. So um, supposedly with Gata swinging out of the, out of the Persian area, out of Iraq, wherever, uh, Middle East, they were doing swings because they also have throwing. They throw when they wrestle. And it was always a curious thing to me because um, they're throwing somebody who might be 180 to 200 pounds, but maybe the heaviest gata that somebody would swing would be 80 pounds or something like that. And I always, maybe you could explain this a little bit because I know you just alluded to this earlier that a swing is a lot like a throw. And, and uh. so, so how does it does, how does it backfeed into your, into your martial arts, how does swinging, pulling that thing mm -hmm. over like that, how does that actually backfeed and help you become a better thrower? Okay, so when you throw, really what you're doing is the same act of extending the mace behind your back and then pulling it forward while closing your core, much like the same movement that you do when you're working with a club. But the difference between the mace is the mace teaches you how to use ballistic gravity in the turn. Okay, all rotations, all martial arts, is, is, it's rotational. Everything is circular. Everything in the world is circular. Come on now. Yeah. But everything is circular. So 
when you are doing the steel may swing, you don't get to use your whole body structure for the swing. You get to use your core and your packed body from the ground up. So that teaches you stability while moving something overhead and closing the core. But when you throw a person, you get to change levels, hit them slightly, and then use that power. So it doesn't have to be trained with like, oh, it's extremely heavy mace. It's the act of understanding, just going over and closing the core. Because what's also happening nowadays is a lot of people, they're over breathers, right? I don't know if you heard that concept before. People are over breathers and their rib line will be really open. And then a lot of people, it doesn't matter how much you tell them to pack, 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 they can't pack their rib line. They can't pack their core, right? Then they have a lot of back pain, maybe hyperlordosis, tons of other things. And the mace can kind of put that structure back right away, right? And then it can teach you how to throw. Um, so if you're a jiu-jitsu fighter and you're trying to throw and your throw is not efficient and it hurts your back, if you learn how to mace, then you throw. If you learn how to do 360s, then you throw. It's going to be like, it, it will connect super easily. Yeah. Right? Because again, it's the act of closing. The other thing that it does as well is a lot of people don't have flexibility of the muscles under the rib line or the lat when they're packed, the core is packed, right? right? You see it when people do presses, they're like big peak over, big arch on the back, right? But this flexibility with the closed core overhead is actually, it's what you need to throw. And this is, we're talking about, you know, throwing in jujitsu. But if we're talking about acrobatics, it's the same thing backwards. You're going back with a rib line that is closed because if it peaks, the arm is not strong. So you mean like doing a like a backflip where you jump backwards and land on any, your hands? No, any backbend movement. So in capoeira, we tend to do this movement called a macaco, which is kind of like a back handspring. But then I feed one hand behind me and then another and slowly drive my way up to a handstand, then settle down. And that's one of the most, everybody wants to be able to do that movement because it's like the staple of capoeira. But a lot of people have that same problem, those peaky ribs from tight everything. But then the mace, when you start doing 360s, you just get length, right, in the upper spine with a steel mace. Um, it, so you start hunching as you get older and your body starts getting tighter. So the more you mace, the more proud you can be for a longer period of time. And then that is the same flexibility you need in the front line for back bends, back flips, back handsprings, everything that's going backwards. Wow. This is a revelation for me because um, I've had people on the podcast before. I've talked about this a lot. It's, it, it mimics throwing. It's great for people in sports, athletes, you know, baseball players, uh, people who are like firefighters, um, uh, MMA fighters and everything. And now we're talking about it's it's good to help people who do acrobatic type things, gymnastics, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, it's obvious once you say it, but it's just, you know, sometimes you don't think of these things, how it all ties in. So it seems like mace could really be a great effective training tool that you could slip into for anybody, wherever you are in life, whatever stage. And, you know, you're talking about uh, doing a swing, pulling it over, how it's how it's um, helping with your throwing. And mm -hmm. I think about like sometimes how when you go lighter with something and you do volume, 
you, mm -hmm. and you really engage uh, on having good form, that helps you when things are heavier. So you don't always have to train heavy. But then you also pointed out you change your level. So you're you're changing your level when you're throwing somebody and you're using a little bit of leverage, getting them up on your hips sort of, right? And then mm -hmm. and then they're not really as heavy. But that but the back feed from the mace training is that it teaches you better better placement of your body. So you can do that. It's a way to do it. It might not be yeah. the only way, but it's uh, it's one of the ways you can attack that from, right? Most definitely. So the re the reason why I like the Viking Ninja system, I am Viking Ninja certified, and then I just got into the education team. I'm really excited, actually. Oh Super wow! Excited. Really? Congratulations! Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's going to be bomb. So the reason why I like that methodology and the reason why I use it is because there's some other things. Um, you know, if we're talking about uh, the more common style, the 360s, the um, tens and twos, you know, those are necessary for length. But then if you're talking about the mechanics, uh, more of the presses, more of the switches, low, right? That's the Viking Ninja system. Then I'm always making light, heavy, and heavy light. I'm a firm believer that we can trick the body into, under into thinking that it's carrying loads of weight. Yeah. We can trick the body. So they're like, oh, this weight's too light. It's like, uh, you can just contract your muscles more, put more of a connection to the mace. And if you want to, this 10-pounder will turn into a 20-pounder. Because people tend to want to go heavy quickly, right? Which I did also when I got the mace. And then I went to swing and I was like, no, I'm staying at the 10-pounder. <laughs> um, but I like it because it's like engaged, right? Um, if we're thinking about it, our highly evolved technological way of living keeps us shoulders high, neck is forward, weak core, weak glutes, not very connected to the ground, all these things, you know? And um, I feel like the mace asks a lot of you when you're training with it. Even if you're training with a seven pounder, it doesn't matter. Um, even if you don't know how to train, you can tell the difference when you're like going, you're like, whoa, I totally didn't control that. <laughs> Versus understanding that every moment um, is your own. Like I said before, I'm big in the moments in between. Since I am a martial artist, I don't like to make plans that fell. So I don't build things on bad structure. I don't like that um, because I'm small. So when I build things on bad structure, I get put in a very bad situation, you know? Um, so I like to build things on good structure. I'm always thinking ahead, like chess. If I'm thinking I'm doing A, I'm already thinking of B, C, D, E, the connections from that, the connections from that. It's always a chain of possibilities. And I think with the training of the mace, keeping the structure so strong through that movement, through that breath, through that time, with a moving weight, you know, because it might only be 10 pounds, but you realize that 10 pounds is on this side and not that side. And if you have a problem in your shoulders, you're going to have a hard time engaging it, even if you're holding it, you know, horizontally. Like, horizontal position is, like, basic position, active. And some people, they can't be there for a long period of time. Or the mace will be lopsided, right? All kinds of things happen. So it, it's, like, very humbling because yeah. as soon as you pick it up, you're like, whoa. <laughs> so out of balance. Yeah, so the when you're putting tension into the mace and then you're moving 
through various patterns, whether it's like a flow or it's just, you know, squats or whatever, that's a little bit more than what like a, maybe a bodybuilder would be doing when they're saying, you know, maybe using a barbell and they're just like bending the bar and they're curling it or something like, because that's just one motion. But when you're putting tension into the mace and then you're doing stuff with your legs or you're switching it, you're, it, 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 it's almost like chewing gum and walking at the same time. And, yeah. and I guess this is how you, how you learn how to pay attention to the space that, or the time in between these points, like you keep indicating. Cause I was, I was trying to understand that from you because that would be my question. How do you train for that? I guess using the mace and then moving with it while keeping tension forces you to pay attention to every little speck of movement that you go through. Therefore, paying attention to the space in between. Agreed. It's it's definitely a good way of putting it. And yeah, it's um it's very interesting that you can you can use one tool and be able to do all these things. But the cool thing about the maze is it gives you so so much complex language, right? Very complex language. The things people do with the maze, sometimes I'm like, whoa, let me rewind. Oh, wait, let me rewind it. Yeah. Ten times later, <laughs> maybe I get it, right? Um, and that's the cool thing. But if you're thinking about martial arts, it's much the same. Your legs are moving at the same time as your upper body in different motions, emotions, different rhythms, right? Um, some of them have to be a fake to advance. Some of them have to be a fake to come back, right? And then with the mace training, as you learn language, and then you're also, uh, well, at least for the Viking ninja system, but I think most people, when you start working with the mace and you have to move something around while doing squats and lunges and all of that, your structure has to be held in a very particular way, right? So you're able to step forward and step back. Right. That kind of teaches you the capabilities of your body. What can your body do and not do? Most martial artists, they they don't understand their um, their Swiss knife, right? I have a Swiss knife and I got bah, 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 blah, right? The older you get, the more weapons you get, okay? Um, and then maybe they have this very special tool and they don't even know how to use it because they haven't checked it, they haven't gone through it they don't understand it but then they can also have some that are rusty they don't use it anymore so the uh pattern is gone so when you try to use it when you use something against someone who's moving and your timing has to be precise or your timing has to be precise there's really no choice and um with the maze you have to think of so many things at the same time you're like what are my arms doing what is my breath doing am i grounded you know can i move there am i worthy oh okay that feels good and then maybe it didn't afterwards maybe you tip to the side and martial arts is much the same thing it's a lot of language with a lot of hand-eye coordination right so we have brain and body game right uh recognition of grips which is totally jujitsu my grip is my life again i'm a small person but i really work on my grip because it could be the difference between me owning the whole thing and me having a very hard time with someone. So, and, and it's so funny because the when I went to um, my May cert, when I finished the certification, I was like, wow, this feels just like the finals in the world. I couldn't move my arm. Really? Because <laughs> I wasn't used to working with it for that long. And the, the, the Viking Ninja test was pretty, like for me, when I had just started, I was like, whoa, I didn't realize it was going to be this bad. 
and my arms were burnt. Also, I think, mind you, I'm a jiu-jitsu fighter, so I grip hard. Yeah. I don't know if I was like gripping too hard and doing too much because again, this was the beginning of the road. I just know that I was burnt out. And I was like, this feels exactly like the fatigue I feel when I train too much jiu-jitsu. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. So it was like a lot of connections always happen for me. And the, the more I train with it, the more connections I get to make, not just for me, but for other people, right? Because I can instantaneously with one private class with a client and the client learns how to move the mace, even simple stuff, right? Simple connections, simple landmark positions, stack grip, holding and stack grip is not easy. Vertical stack grip is not easy because we're not used to being in that position anymore. It's a position of power. Breathing there, feeling like you own that can change a person's reality. What do you do? You're holding a sword, the best. You're a warrior. Feel worthy of it. But that's why I like the, the rooted strength because I think everybody can be so strong and we kind of like, we forget. We just forget. Now, rooted strength, uh, the meaning being you're rooted into the earth. You're drawing your power from the earth. Is that, that's what I hear when I. Yes, say. that as well. I do talk about a lot of grounding, but rooted strength is because I believe that strength is so much more than just, you know, being from martial arts. I used to deadlift 400 pounds. <laughs> Nowadays, I don't deadlift 400 pounds because I don't have to. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. For me to get there, I was grinding. I was doing it. I was fighting all the time. And, but I also was very unhappy. And my mental clarity was gone. Why and were you, the way I... Why were you seeking a 400-pound deadlift as a martial artist? What were you hoping that would do for you? So a 400-pound deadlift, um, we usually, as martial artists, if we're getting a program written for us, we have a day that's more about volume and a day that's more about building power. My trainer wasn't a horrible trainer, so I'd be doing, you know, it would be maybe two of those rest for four minutes, two of those. That was just the highest I can carry. Um, what it does is just the act of bringing it up. Like the deadlift is something we do in jiu-jitsu a lot. We do a lot of squats. We do a lot of deadlifts. We do a lot of leg pressing. When you're fighting? Lot. Yes. Okay. All the time. Yeah. Because if you're thinking about it, you're always carrying someone up. Yeah. You're always making sure you squat down to keep your center of gravity low. So there's tons of things that translate really easily. But did you know most martial artists can't do a proper squat? Right. Unless they're training with a trainer. They do a hinge deadlift squat thing that's not very well connected. And the structure is not good. So how do you, you can't, you can't bring power out of something that's not well connected. You know, like yeah. you can, but. It's not the, your best. I'm not surprised to hear that because when you specialize in something, other things can't be paid attention to properly. And it's, you know, a martial artist, we think of a martial artist as a really good mover. Sure. Um, for their sport, just like a cyclist, they're great at being cyclists, but, you know, have them do pull-ups or something like that. And their wow. arms are just like, you know, so everybody has their, their issues when they start specializing. So that's why I, I asked though, what you, you uh, wanted to achieve with, with that kind of deadlift. Cause that's quite an endeavor um, to, to get into heavy deadlifting. It's a martial art in of itself. Right. And yeah, but that's, but, that's usual. 
Yeah. But I could see now having a really super strong um, posterior chain is beneficial. But I wondered uh, also, wouldn't lifting like uh, a 200-pound sandbag be even better for a martial artist because it's closer to the sport that they're doing? Um, so that's that's kind of like where I'm saying that things kind of go off, okay? So the reason why I say rooted strength is because I really believe in the old. I believe that things were done right when they used to be done with the sandbags, with the blocks, with the breath, with the awareness of understanding that this is an art and this is how we develop. But then as time passed by, people are like, no, I just want to lift a lot of weight. I don't want to care about my emotional. I don't, I don't need to be scared because I'm never scared. And then people are just holding a lot of things you know, making their posterior chain kind of strong, but, you know, not really. Um, and then closing their bodies to the world where they're holding this posture 24-7. And within the pandemic, I know this is not talked about nearly enough. We had so many suicides, so many depression problems with fighters. Fighters. Why? Because it's like how you live life out of a place that you're like, do, 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 do. But I want to do, I want to understand how to rest my body. I want to understand how to rest my mind. I want to understand how to love myself and why I'm doing that. And again, my goal is not today. Oh, um, the difference between what you want more and what you want most, right? So if you want something now, instant gratification, great. Go ahead, lift the 400 pounds as much as you want. You know, but if you want a body that's going to really work well, timelessly with resilience good recovery then you have to have an emotional state that will keep your fascia loose because fascia is emotional right you have to have a body that moves all the time so you can keep your lymphatic system going that's also important and we don't talk about it and then strength is not about how heavy you can carry or how how far you can run or how prominent your muscles look strength to me is really about how well i go through my day without pain performing everything that's necessary and then maybe if there's a zombie apocalypse i'll be able to run too you know just in so case I, just in case i want a body that can jump and do everything all the things so you know this is all interesting stuff. I'm definitely going to have to have you come back onto the podcast because Thank you. just right from the beginning, there was questions I wanted to ask, but you were just flowing. So oh, sorry. Let, no, it's all right. We, you, we only got so much time, but I want you to talk about before we uh, finish this, uh, you were just talking about feelings and things like that. And, and I was just listening to one of your podcasts and you did uh, talk about men and how men uh, aren't really sharing their feelings with each other and things like that. So my question is, uh, first of all, I agree with you, but my question is, is how does one, especially a dude, how does, how do they do this? How do they get in touch with their feelings in a way that makes them stronger or more powerful because i think a lot of guys don't want to give that up right not not implying that it does but in their minds they think they're giving it up but also not only getting in touch with their feelings but also learning how to separate from their feelings in times of say competing or fear right you know you want to have a clear head you don't want to be 
you don't want to be run by your emotions. So we there's this balance that we have to achieve where our emotions are not telling us what to to do all the time, but at the same time we're tapping into our emotions. It seems well, like such a difficult thing to do nowadays, and uh, I, I feel like listening to your podcast, I've been hearing little tidbits, but I can't, I can't quite connect the dots yet. So maybe you you could do that right now. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> No, no, I got you. I got you. Because I do this. I do have, um, I've seen a lot of um, professional athletes, right? BJJ athletes. And they also had the same problem. So my brothers are also suffering. But um, feelings are hard to share. But if we talk about feelings, men, women, things get kind of good. Some men don't like to be related to that way. So we'll yeah. change it a little bit. So what we're talking about we have two sides of the brain, right? We have the left and the right side of the brain. One of them is responsible for our emotions and our um, which more creativity, right? All those things. And then the other side is more responsible of the structure, of the do, of the now. And that's normal. We're supposed to have both polarities as humans, right? The difference is the women stay more on the feeling side and the men stay more on the cognitive side because that's how we work best with each other, but we all need a little bit of each other, right? Um, bottled in feelings, if you're thinking about feelings, like feelings, men don't, talk, don't like to think about their feelings, their emotions, but if you think about it from a perspective of movement, all emotions, no matter what, they are stored in the body primarily as some kind of a physical contraction, some kind of a physical something. When you get scared, you go, before you say something and you think about what happened, right? We go through this daily. We are, we are animals, right? We are, we, we came from that. We're different, we're special, but we are animals, <laughs> okay? So if you're thinking about it, you're like, and if you're a fighter, or if you're a man, or if you're going through life and life is difficult nowadays, it's so hard for you to slow down because, you know, emotions and your state of mind, they all get caught in your body. You can't get it out, it gets caught in your body. And they don't wanna talk about their emotions, so they move, but sometimes in a way um, that will continue to keep you in that fight, flight, or freeze, okay? Most fighters, we have the fight in us 24 seven. We don't let it go. We like to keep it right here just in case, just in case, but that's not good. So when we go through emotional turmoils, we don't have clean enough language or understanding to understand ourselves. Because that is so frustrating, we decide to just move on and let it go. Stuff it way down because that's how it goes. Stuff it way down. So a way that I get my male clients to start sharing their feelings, right, is a journal. This is mine right here. Okay. That's a, a nice journal. journal. Wow. I thank you. I know. I know. It looks like wow. a grim world. Thank you. I just got this one for the new chapter I'm going through. But the cool thing is the journal is not going to talk back to you. It's not going to tell you how to think or what to think or what to say. It's just going to sit there and let you write on it however you want. If you want to write angry, you can write angry. If you want to write smooth, you can write smooth. But what tends to happen, and this is proven through many different trials, is you will feel like you're telling a friend. And you will feel this enormous sense of release. And when you begin to understand how you feel, then you will feel more at ease to share it with a friend. 
right? To share it with a friend because we are meant to work with each other. We are meant to do each other good. But sometimes we are so alone in our world. We don't need to share it with anyone. We don't need to let them know how I feel. We don't need to. Like this is, men don't talk about their feelings is the Brazilian model. I'm not saying it's the American model. I'm not saying it is what it is, but in my experience, men don't talk about their feelings. So to tell you the truth, I hold space for men all the time. I'm like, yo, brother, if things are difficult for you, I got a non-judgmental year for you. You know, we can talk about it. I can listen to you. I won't tell you anything because active listening, meaning like, uh-huh, yes, that must be difficult versus going, I got to fix your problem. is also difficult for humans. And difficult right? for men. Mm-hmm. Men it always is. want to fix, uh, like if their wife is at a complaint or something, they want to fix it and they, they don't, they forget to just listen and just show compassion. And I, I love what you just that, said. But yeah, well, I, I got to put a disclaimer on it. I know my wife is in the house and she's probably hearing me say this right now, but I would still say it if she wasn't. Uh, it's true. It's a, it's a weakness for most men. Um, I know it's my weakness too. Um, but yeah. But that's so, what I'm saying. It's not even a weakness. It's just a different mindset of structure. We're like feelings, feelings, feelings. And you're like, fix it, fix it, fix it. Good point. See, I... I you're very good because I just kind of said a negative thing about myself that it's a weakness. And you said, no, it's a different perspective. How many times do I tell that to people? And I didn't even take my own advice right now. So this is why it's good. Anybody listening or watching, if you know a martial artist in your neighborhood and they want to talk or they're online, like Morena is, and they actually want to share information. I think you should listen. Um, you know, Martial artists, they know what it's like to fight, and they put that into a perspective. This is something I noticed. I think it's why I like martial arts. I like the people, or at least like kind of like the wisdom that they carry. And maybe that's a little, a little messed up in my head from watching kung fu movies when I was a kid. But uh, there was always the wise martial artist. Um, so you're you're recommending uh, try journaling. I I agree with that. Um, do you think it's okay to journal? Like I, I kind of journal on Facebook. Do you think it's okay to do that or should it be more private and just in a book? I think it should be private because okay. I think you shouldn't feel judged to say whatever you want to say, even if it's not pretty. It doesn't have to be pretty to anyone. It has to be your thoughts to you, the way you think. And sometimes we can't even be honest about the way we think. So it's difficult. I think the reason why you like martial arts, have you heard that quote? Like it takes, most martial artists have been through chaos and we know how to be violent. We yeah. know how to be violent. I know how to be very violent. And my friends will tell you, I know how to be vi- very violent. But I choose kindness so much more because I know how to be that violent and it's yes. unnecessary. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. It, it hurts That's me to hurt you. Right. I think but if needed, if needed, right. Place. And that's what's, a, that's an appealing thing when in our society now, warriors, I, they don't get any credit. You know, I, it's like, who needs warriors? We don't need that anymore. We have Netflix. We have, no. we can call the cops, but a, if there's a warrior in your threshold that has that sort of mindset, like you're indicating, you know, that this person has 
the ability to do violence, which I think on a societal level, that's what appealed to everybody in the ancient times. There were certain individuals that were the warriors, the warrior class. And when they were in the neighborhood, everybody felt a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But they were like, oh, thank you for the, for the meal. Hey, you look great today. So they were nice too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least, at least you hope. But that is no, an awesome uh, thing to point out. And um, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because that's that's just going to have me thinking all day. Uh, Morena, we're going to call it quits for today, but come back on. We're going to talk ag- uh, again in the future, but let everybody know how to get in touch with you. Tell us quickly about your Viking Ninja um, instructing that you're going to be doing and uh, also anything that uh, people can train with you online or in person. Thank you so much. Um so you guys can find me at Instagram. Um, it's underscore, I mean, at Morena underscore Rooted Strength. My website is rootedstrengthmethod.com. Right now I am running a membership where people can trade from home. Um, I do run a, a cohort experience, which right now I'm getting people into um, for the next one. But right now the online membership is the key. The Viking Ninja um education team so i'm coming (laughs) i'm coming um soon so right now i'm in training but i'm really excited just because the steel mace community has been amazing to me this is great i love how they're like oh you practice the steel mace too me too and people have just been so helpful so kind so uplifting that i'm like just in all kinds of awe and gratitude so thank you for having me i had such a good time you're amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, and uh, it was good having you on. So when you get all tuned up with your um, educational team with Viking Ninja, that would be an appropriate time for you to come back and uh, mm-hmm. share more. So everybody make sure uh, do this, everybody. Follow Morena on uh, Spotify. That's where I listen to her uh, yeah. on, on her podcast, right? Look, Look that up. Go listen to it. I tell you, do that. Don't just say you're going to do it. Do it right now. And also, make sure you're following the Steel Mace Nation. And um, we will connect again, and we'll have another awesome discussion. So, Miranda, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you at the next one. Thank you.